You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castrone. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. The world is still in chaos. And we're still here doing this. How about that? Listen, maybe the garage burning down won't be our choice. We'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. I mean... Long game, it's going to be climate change that burns down this garage, but it could be a lot of other things in the short That's term. That's what I mean. There's yeah. The range of outcomes is so vast, but it all ends the same way. Yes. With this motherfucking garage torched. How mad will you be at Mother Nature if you don't have the option of being the one that lights the fuse? I mean, that would be just unfair to you as a rental, as a renter of this place. Right. I, I would be, I would feel cheated. There's no doubt about that, Bob. I'd feel absolutely cheated. Well, I'm praying for you. And I want to say thank you, Bob. Yes. You're you're a good friend. You always have been. But you kind of took your game up a notch uh, this week. Yesterday in the mail, got an Amazon package. And I was like opening up. It's like, oh, it's a book. And I was like, I didn't order a book. I can't read anymore. It's a pandemic and I have children. Right. and then I turned around and I looked at it like, oh, my goodness. And now I'm looking at it right now. Baby, comma, Don't Hurt Me by Chris Kattan. I think it's supposed to be pronounced, baby, don't hurt me. Oh. <laughs> Are you just getting? I just got that. <laughs> Is he even allowed to do that? Probably not. Are we even Steven because he's infringing on copyrights? <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. Oh, because of the guys, the Roxbury guys. Yeah, yeah. Stories and scars from Saturday Night Live. Forward, a dashed off forward, I must say, Uh because I read it. Uh I'm about a quarter of the book done right now. Forward by Seth Meyers. Dashed off forward that took him. It's about two pages long in the book with a big font. I'm sure he wrote that. Like when he was like taking a break for one of his monologues, he's like, oh, shit, the Catan forward. Like hey, his assistant came in and was like, no, remember, Seth? Yeah. Do we have an intern that can do that? Yeah, just have him take a pass at it. I'll punch it up afterwards. And then he like stopped himself. No, no, no. I have to do this. I promised him. Chris was nice to me when I started out. <sighs> you know, it's that. You know, like Chris was like nice. Do you want to know? Actually, like, you're the on veteran. the track. Am I really? He, Catan, when Catan got married... He invited the SNL people, and Myers met his future wife at Chris Kattan's wedding. Oh. So okay. when Kattan asks the favor for the forward, what's Seth Myers going to do? When Seth My- when um, Chris Kattan introduced him, did he say, do you guys want some soulmates? <laughs> <laughs> that felt good. Bob, you that can head out good. of the garage right now. That felt good. <laughs> you are done. Did it. You have hit your quota of bangers. <laughs> Hi, you guys want some cookies? 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 I'm going to read a quick excerpt just to hook you up. Because I'm going to do, because it was so nice of you, I'm sure this came out of our throwback, throwback podcast budget, but it doesn't matter. It's it a did. thought you, that counts. It did. You paid for half of it. Um, <laughs> I want to read you something that once I'm finished with the book, I would like you to read the book. Oh, I would love to. Uh, so tell me if this if this hooks you or not. 
Hang on. In a year when, you know, after having to wait a few years for my kids to be at a certain age where I could actually afford some time to read again, mm-hmm. it, took, it took a while for that to happen. I was finally getting into reading again. And then, uh, and then this pandemic happened. Haven't picked up a book since this started. Stop. So I hope that this is the only book I read this year. It's an insane reality that I have not, yeah, have not been able to read a book. And now I'm a quarter of the way through the Catan autobiography. <laughs> it should be the only thing we read. All right, here's the expert excerpt to try to hook you, Bob. Here we go. For a long time after I left Saturday Night Live, I was in a bad place. Beaten down by pain, major surgeries, and personal tragedy, I had trouble even seeing the point of living. I felt as if I wasn't needed anymore, and almost as if I were already dead. Perhaps that was it for me, I thought. I was just someone who did something really well years ago, and now I was forgotten. Maybe all people would ever think of me was, whatever happened to Chris Kattan? Who knows? What a waste. This refrain played in my head for a long time. And things like being left out of SNL anniversary shows or not being asked to be in certain movies only further convinced me that not only was my career dead, its gravestone read, Chris Kattan was briefly amazing. I think the thing gets me about that, and listen, I'm not making light of him having moments of doubt. No, certainly, uh, we've all at some point had moments where we felt depressed or even fell into a bout of depression. Uh, I I was just more interested in the fact that his feeling was that the world at some point all thought that he was briefly amazing. <laughs> I, that is that is the takeaway. From not that. merely kind of funny or a nice. Um, a nice utility guy on SNL for a few years there, but an amazing but you individual. You know what, Dan? He was. He was amazing for a few years. Does that get you hooked? I'm hooked. I'm in. Yeah. Can you come to my house and play that song mixing in the, the doorbell <laughs> while I'm reading it? Because that takes it to the next level. Uh, I'll try if I could, if I, if I could fit it into my schedule. It's like, sorry, honey. I know I, I'm supposed to help with the kids today, but I need to make Bob giggle like an idiot while he reads Chris Catan's <laughs> sad autobiography. Unbelievable. All right. Wow. Enough of that. But thank you for the book, Bob. Or I should thank myself. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Um, top 10. It's top 10 week. We love top 10 weeks. It's fun. It we allows do. us to, um, hop in the old time machine and uh, experience a time in our life where this music was prevalent. Yeah. I mean, we're going back to 93 when we were 
13 year old boys. I really do love 1993. I have to say, like when I think about being young, um, the, the music, I was getting into music and I loved, uh, top 40 radio, mm-hmm. you know, Z 100, a holic. And there was a lot of great music at that time. Yep. Uh, it was Don Mattingly's last productive season, uh, where he was a solid, not at the peak of Donnie baseball in the eighties, but he was a solid middle of the order guy that had some power and was still a great defender. And the Yankees, after a long period of failure, were kind of on the upswing. Mm-hmm. They won 88 games that year. The Jets with Boomer Esiason had a nice, fun season in 93, and I enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, getting into girls, and we're making the transition to high school. 93 is a special time. 90, you know? 93 is also the last year that we weren't friends. So it predates this friendship. Maybe that's why I liked it so much. Kind of hurts that you're saying all of this right now. Kind of like you have such fond memories of right before we became friends. I mean, you talk about Chris Kattan's moment of doubt. I mean, you were in a terrible place before I threw you the life raft. I was still okay in 93. It was the 93 into 94, kind of after this countdown. Well, you hadn't heard the whispers yet. No, there were not. Within your friend We were all fine. We were all fine. If you're new to the podcast, Bob was... Under the we mistaken to, impression that he this. was an A-lister at our school, uh, but what he really I, was, no, I was, I was an A-lister. Was a you know glorified hanger-on. I was an A-lister. <laughs> and what had happened was one day in a very uh, tough. Do you want to tell the people, or should I say it? I don't think either of us should tell. Yeah, the at the cafeteria at the cool kid ca- table, Bob had his lunch, uh, and he went to sit down, and he couldn't find a seat. Uh, or the regular seat that he used to be in was referred to as the broken seat. And Bob got hip to the fact that he wasn't wanted. It only happened once. It was, I was sitting in a seat. There was a seat open next to me and our eventual very good friend, Sarah, not at the time, of course, referred junior to prom date, referred to the uh, seat next to me as the broken seat. Oh, so that's sit there. And I looked over at the seat. It was, it was fine. It wasn't and, broken. At and all. that's when we knew it wasn't the, the chair that was broken. No, it was, it was me. It was you. Can you play the Chris Kattan music for me? And you tumbled, Bob. You tumbled down the hierarchy. Yes. Not just from the B, B list, Bob. But oh, no, no. I, I, went, I went way past the B list. You were on the maybe C minus list? Yeah, I'd say so. And then you, and then I found you, and I took you on as a kind of a salvation case. You picked me up and like re, <laughs> rebuilt me. It's like, listen to, you know, welcome to the C plus club. Come on up and let's ride. Let's fly up. And what we did, Bob, together was move ourselves all the way up to like the B plus. <laughs> yeah, group. I think so. By senior year. Yes. But when this countdown was taking place, it was the beginning of our eighth grade, which was the beginning of high school for us. Beginning of eighth grade. I was still under the impression that I was part of this A-list. It hadn't hit right. me yet that this was all happening. There were no other I clues. I was still, nope. No I, other evidence. Now, thinking back. Nope, none. And I'm sure I you thought still, about it endlessly, Bob, endlessly. when it happened. I was still riding high. Because that hurt you, didn't it? I was still riding high off the glory of my bar mitzvah, which was an A-list affair back in right. back in July of 93. Right. So that was 
me and the A-listers who were all kind of like a little weirded out by all the Jewy stuff happening because they right. never saw that before in Pearl right. River. So maybe that like hurt. This, everybody was like, this is ooh, a little much. Ooh, but maybe that's what hurt me. Free cake. You know what? I'm going to blame it on the Judaism. You're going to say it was anti-Semitism? I'm going to say the only reason. Uh, I don't know about this. Reach. I'm going for it. The only reason. Maybe because you were like the only guy in the A-list that was had all of Weird Al Yankovic's records. No, I could have hurt you. The entire A-list had all of Weird Al's records. It wasn't only me. <laughs> That's how you became A-list, Dad. <laughs> all right. Listen, it all worked out. <laughs> I guess so. I guess it all worked out. Because the A-list wasn't all it was cracked no, up to it be. it wasn't. No. As it turned out. I mean, maybe it was. If, we'll never know. I, I don't know if we have any younger listeners out there, but if you if you are in high school and you feel well right now you're you're probably not at school but you're definitely not at school if you're stressing out about where you fit in the packing order don't worry about it just find find a group find a niche ride it out have fun cuz that all gets wiped away in totality by the time you're 18 yeah and just because the people that you think are the cool ones that you want to literally be, no one under 37. You want to be show. friends with them. <laughs> and if they reject you, you feel like your life is over. Listen, at some point you two could end up in a rented garage with one other person <laughs> that you're still friends with out of that entire school and, uh, drinking beer and listening to music from your youth. It's not that bad. And listen to our youngest fan who just turned 34. <laughs> if they try to make you do drugs, they're not your real friends anyway. But also do them because like, why not? Like now's the time to do them and then stop. Like don't do them forever. All right. Just do them a little bit. And lay off the sleeping pills. Again, just like a little bit. All right. So we're doing a, what is this? September? This is, uh, yeah, this week back in 93. September 1993. Back to school playlist. Always to me the best ones because those are the songs that stick in my head. Um, more than any other when you're getting up in the morning and getting ready for school and Mm -hmm. it's such a pivotal time of year uh, for our age at that time. So all these songs bring back a lot of memories. But before we get into the top 10 on the Billboard 100 chart uh, this week in 1993, we always like to pick two songs outside the top 10 in the top 100 that didn't make the top 10, but we thought deserved a little bit of shine so that's what we're going to do and right this now. And this was, I, I'm going to say, one of the toughest ones to pick from. You there, really were. There are a lot of grappling amazing with songs in this top 100. Bob, it was but it was hard for you. Yeah, and I went with one that I think can show the audience who I was back in 1993. <laughs> oh, yes. Yep. I'm picturing you shoveling your driveway on Quake Lane with like your Giants hat, like the winter cap. But remember when they had oh, a little yeah, extra the slack there the, in the, the 90s? Pom pom on top, too. No pom pom. I meant post pom pom. With it, when it had extra slack, yep, it had yep. like the hip hop vibe. Yep. My dad never understood those. With my starter jacket, my Phoenix Suns starter jacket. <laughs> Slam! 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 
I think this was the song used for every inside stuff NBA montage. Slam dunk montage. With Ahmad yeah. Rashad. <laughs> From like 1993 to 1997. They just said, yeah, get Slam Onyx. Yeah, obviously. No, that, that does it. I thought this was the coolest song at the time. Like, I totally was I just a, thought these guys thing. were insane in like a really cool way. The name of the album, Back of the Fuck Up. Back of the Fuck Up. That was so cool. I remember fighting with my uncle saying like this is good music and of course uncles oh never. i'm sure i'm sure he had some words to say well, about that i mean this is my 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 trump voting uncles you could imagine the direction he went even then he was ahead of his time but it was not you're like even like you transported back you're like listen uncle i know it's 1993 but this is some pretty fucked up shit this you're is, saying right now <laughs> yeah let me Here's some good news. You have something to look forward to in like a couple of decades. Exactly. But uh, yeah, no. It, <laughs> it's so sad. So sad. But I loved this. And I knew, I didn't know all the words to the song, but the last verse I knew all the words to. Really? Okay, it's coming up. I don't know if I still do, but I really. Do you want to try it? Maybe. Standing in my big boy pants, I'm ripping, give me the microphone before I bust up my pants. A man going to the anguish, my language disputed. Onyx is heavyweight and still undisputed. Took the words right out of my mouth, I walk a mile in my shoes. I paid so many dues, I'm so used and abused, and I'm so confused. Um, excuse me, for example, I'm an inspiration for a whole generation. And let's go, taste, sticking figures of imitation, a figment of your imagination. But, 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 wait, it gets worse. I'm not gonna stand here, die of thirst, gonna do what's right. Foolproof plan. Big boys make some noise and just, just slam. Yes. Take me back. Take me back to the A list. Well, I deserve to be there. Not gonna happen. I know man. all the words. Bring me back. You have my respect in 2020, if that means anything. <laughs> um, that was awesome. That felt good. That, you nailed it all. I forgot about that. Is a fucking killer verse. I wish I could give the right Onyx member credit. It's very like ODB. Yes, it's very ODB, and. Uh, I remember when this song was getting a lot of run on MTV and not just MTV raps. It was a kind of a MTV hit. And as you know, we were you know, super white boys where we come from. Uh, very pearly white. In fact, when we would take our county that we lived in was quite diverse, but our town was lily white. Yeah. And when we would on the basketball team, when we would go play uh, a, a school in a different area of the county that was much more diverse, we would get hit with a lot of pearly white river. Right. That would be kind of like the hit that we were taking as we were getting off the school bus or going back on it after getting beaten by 30 points. Yes. Like, get out of here, pearly white river. Where, it was great. Where, where you were the high scorer with six. <laughs> it happened once. Um, yeah, no, we, we were pearly white and apparently anti-Semitic because how else could you explain a guy knowing oh. all the words to slam not being in the A-list? Oh, Bob. Come on. I don't know, Bob. Uh, but I do remember I had no, as I've said in this podcast many times before, I got into music later than Bob and I had no connection to rap really. But this song, I remember thinking, oh, this is okay. This is cool. This is way out of my knowledge zone. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. The video is like all these guys, like I kind of remember them just being in a warehouse or something and like losing their spotlights and they were just jumping around and going nuts. And I was like, okay, this is an interesting world. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm enjoying myself. Um, you know, let's stay in the realm of hip hop in 1993. So as a kid that was just a, a sports fanatic, 
certain songs uh, would reach me just by nature of watching SportsCenter a lot. Here's one of them. Oh, yes. Yes. What's up, Doc? Can we rock? What's, What's up, Doc? Wait, this whole podcast What's should just up, be 1993 hip-hop. <laughs> What's up, Doc? What's up, Hard Yahoo? Shamad Dukes, Apodos. They're two scoops, they're raising in the sun. Brother, try to rally up, then daily dally for some room. Bird, pecking, double-decking, rubber necking in my tomb. Check it out, Joe. This is not Shaq. No, Shaq's no. coming. Shaq comes. He brings, he's the anchor at the end. So, this is the Foosh Nickens. Foosh Nickens. So, Shaq was the biggest fucking thing going. In 1992, 1993, he got drafted out of LSU to the Magic uh, with the number one overall pick, and immediately it was this amazing sensation because there just was nobody like him back then. I was talking to my son about this recently, just about how much I loved Shaq. And I, yeah. we weren't watching college basketball, but we knew about this guy who was gigantic and breaking backboards. And he came into the league with like the shoe deal and all the hype around him immediately. And before he even played a game, I think I had a Shaquille O'Neal Orlando <laughs> Magic t-shirt. And I just thought he was the coolest right. dude in the world. The Magic came into the league like five years earlier. Yeah. Nobody knew the fuck, you know, anything about them. And then all of a sudden, they were the center of the NBA universe in the non-Michael Jordan era, because this is right when Jordan went to play baseball around now. But um, yeah, so Shaq was so huge that I remember we there was a class trip when uh, the Magic came to the Meadowlands to play the Nets. And I remember going with my dad. And we went and saw Shaq and play the Nets in '92. Wow! Like he was, he was God. So he was a big Foosh Nickens fan. He said that in some interviews. So Foosh Nickens was like, "Oh shit!" They reached out to Shaq and they said, "Hey, do you want to do a verse on this song we're working on?" And it was "What's Up, Doc." That's so beautiful. And I think a big part of it for us too was that we were Knicks fans, so we didn't like Michael Jordan. Like, no. that's something that's weird to like reconcile with now especially after watching the last dance but like we spent our lives rooting against him oh yeah he was this 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 mountain that you could never climb over um but so Shaq puts out an album called Shaq Diesel of course my we've talked about this my college roommate owned every Shaq album right he had every which is still the greatest thing ever uh Alan if you're listening you're a beautiful man uh and that album that includes this song and we're going to get out of the way for Shaq's um, verse in a second, but sold a million copies. It's amazing. One million records sold. Well, How is that possible? He's an artist. All right. He's coming in now, I think. Yes. Perfect. You know, it had to be about basketball. You know, a lot of uh, <laughs> true hip hop heads would say that scenario by a tribe called Quest with Busta Rhymes coming into the end was one of the greatest introductions of a of a rap force. 
to right. be reckoned with. But no. Or Eminem in the Chronic album. Mm-hmm. No. That's up there, but no. Or Snoop even. But no, this it's this. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Snoop was on the dr- first round, but I yes. was talking about oh, the, you're second the second one. second one. Yeah, yeah. But I think Slim Shady LP was already out. Who cares? Who cares? All this right. is not a hip. Believe it or not, this is not a hip hop podcast. These are two guys who from 1994 on listened exclusively to alternative rock Pretty with the much. occasional hip hop mixed in. But uh, back in 1993, we were listening to Z100 and this was our world. Yeah, it sure was. So let's get into the top 10, starting with an artist that I'm not familiar with. Uh, Shy. Here's Baby, I'm Yours. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. you know okay, Shy. Okay, okay. So, yeah, as Z100 listeners, which is the top 40 station in New York, these songs are all inescapable. Shy had a few big hits. Shy wasn't so shy about climbing the charts. Well, Shy was a group. Right. Quartet. Nice. Not a dude. got anything here bob i'm just enjoying it just i'm just like in this little world i feel like this should be in the credits of boomerang or something i'm so fucking insane that you said that because <laughs> i was just about to say that i would give my left nut if this is not on the boomerang soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> like this is definitely in boomerang i feel like it's gotta be but if it's not we gotta go back and put it in it's like when the scene where david Allen greer is working out on the rowing machine with eddie murphy and martin lewis <laughs> martin lawrence and then uh, he says to Eddie Murphy, yeah, nobody can get away with it except for Marcus. <laughs> then this kicks in. <laughs> Man, Boomerang was a good fucking movie. Their first single, If I Ever Fall in Love, was tremendous. Do you remember that one? No, I can I only think about Boomerang right now. I don't know if we're going to go down a shy wormhole right now, but... That's a song I remember listening to on Z100 all the time and taping it because I think it starts off pretty abruptly and having to like get it just right with the play and record to get the tape. Oh, that was always a challenge that was not easy to pull off and it led to a lot of disappointment. But when you got it right, you got it right. When the DJ stopped talking at the right time and you were able to get the song perfectly. Big win. I had my greatest transition ever was on a mixtape that we talked about on the show. Um, and it was the very last bar of under the bridge by the chili peppers. And if you remember what it is, it's just like, Ding. and then bang, perfect transition to the opening piano pluck uh, from November rain. Ding. That's Ding. pretty good. And it was just like, when I listened to it the first time, I was like, holy shit, I've done something very special. <laughs> Wait, all right, hang on a second. I remember doing like an excited fist bump in my room when I got the world is a vampire. Oh, because you had huge. to be you had to be ahead of that. You had to be sharp as a motherfucker. Yeah. 
Sharp as a motherfucker. All right. All right, here we go. Before we get into the number nine song this week in 1993, Little Love for Boomerang. That never happens to me. Man, stuff like that never happens to anybody except for Marcus. Spend the night with me. Oh, Christy, no, it's just too soon. Like, I, the only reason stuff like that happens to me all the time is because I pay attention to women. Check it. It's like Jet Magazine. <laughs> oh, man. Chris Rock. Yes. Chris Rock. First the fat boys break up, now this. <laughs> <laughs> Rock. <laughs> Oh, that reminds me, uh, my buddy Wes, who right now is fighting cancer. We love you, Wes. And uh, his wife, Lakeisha. We've been talking about a boomerang viewing party. What? For too long, and it never materialized. It's got to happen. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Bob, you're invited if you want to join us. Let's All right. do it. Here we go. The number nine song this week in 1993 is also off one of the first Albums we ever talked about in this garage. Robbie Williams? Not the best album. Oh, yay. Call you up in the middle of the night Like a You were there like Except for Marcus. Runaway Train by Soul Asylum off their 1993 album Grave Dancers Union. I think this album's in the vault, Bob, for this, the Throwback Podcast. We unvaulted it, Dan, for the Patreones. Oh, did we? On Patreon.com. Oh, you poor guys. You pay, you pay extra more than others, and we gave you that album. That yes, so it was one of our first episodes. We were figuring out the format, and I think at that point we were experimenting with like one of us surprising the other one with an album. So it's like, all right, guess what we're going to do tonight? And then it's like, you start playing it and then you get into the album, Um, which I think you were very against that from the get go because you were like, the fucking title is going to say what the album is. Why would we do this? This is so (laughs) stupid. But uh, we tried it anyway. We were trying to figure this out the shot, but I loved this album. I love this song. I think it still sounds great. I think it's great being removed from it after all these years. Love Dave Perner. Soul Asylum, sneaky, a top 20 band for me, I think. What? I think so. Top 20? Maybe top 20. Did we see them at the Troubadour? We did. And that was was one of the greatest nights of my life. That's weird that we saw Soul Asylum. This is like 2014, maybe? Yeah. No. uh, Yeah, 13 or 14. That's crazy that we saw them. Well, we walked from your apartment, didn't we? No, so here's what's even crazier. 
we uh, we secured at the time before. Let me know if I shouldn't tell this story. I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Tell your half of the story. I can clean it up a little bit. Go ahead. I alone tried a uh, marijuana lollipop. <laughs> the whole audience is like, whoa, these guys going to talk about doing a ton of coke. I know. And, uh, you know, tying a, <laughs> tying a belt around their arm. And, uh, you know. Well, here's what happened. Doing we all the drugs. Got the pop. Cut it in half. I cut it in half just in case anybody else wanted to do it with me. So I took my half. And we Who's went, anybody else? I don't know. Just trying to keep you out of this, dude. So, oh, okay. So I took my half and we uh, got in a cab. We went to the Troubadour. And when we got there, it turned out my half had all of the weed. <laughs> I was, no joke, I was high until about 2 p.m. the next day. That's incredible. Like I couldn't. I just move. had a lollipop. <laughs> you had a lollipop. I was. I at, was hammering overpriced uh, vodka sodas at the Troubadour bar at like nine dollars a pop because I was trying to get to Bob's level, but there was I, no getting to no, Bob's level. No, I was in 1993 staring at Dave Perner. <laughs> I was in a completely different universe. Because I was in 2014, and I was like, this is pleasant enough. No, I was in 93 like, this is special. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I just love Soul Asylum. I think they're great. They have a lot of really good songs. I, I think I'm surprised how high you put them. You say top 20 band of all time? Yeah, I'm just saying that as a number. Maybe it's... That seems high. It seems it does say, seem high when you say. But uh, this song, especially, was huge. I remember an assembly was used for a Kirk Cameron uh, video we had to watch on Runaway Teens, um, and it was kind of a omnipresent song. It won a Grammy for best rock song, nineteen ninety four. Which, by the way, ninety four. It's a pretty good competition, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And for people that don't know, that song's not about Runaways. It was just the music video that the music video director decided to take it in that direction. And Soul Asylum was like, yeah, I guess. Sure. And then it went on to define them as a band. Right. He wrote it about depression. Here is the category for best rock song at the 1994 Grammys. Here are the um, nominees. Crying, Aerosmith. Living on the Edge, Aerosmith. (laughs) Of course. Are You Gonna Go My Way, Lenny Kravitz? Whoa. I'd do anything for love, but I won't do that. Meatloaf. Good job, guys, not giving it to that. (laughs) (laughs) And the winner, Runaway Train, written by Dave Perner, who also, in addition to having a Grammy somewhere in his living room, peak Winona Ryder. Yeah. He was all about it. And all, I was going to say in it, but that's gross. That's gross. Don't say it like that. Hey, Tony Braxton's playing. All right, say it then. I mean, Pete Winona. And Perner was a homeless person. Oh, he was. Basically a homeless person. He was ridiculous looking. Sloppy with those white boy dreads. Yeah. I mean, the man looked really completely uncared for and unbathed. But because of the grunge aesthetic at the time and the fact that he was with Winona Ryder if you asked me like if you could look like you know five people who would they be Dave Perner would be on the list because he was just so cool okay I see what you're saying I see what you're saying I mean here's the thing like we learned later at various award shows or maybe one in particular 
when Stranger Things became big that Winona Ryder probably nuts. Oh, and also the shoplifting thing. Yeah, she started just stealing stuff even though she had ten million dollars in a bank account. Yeah, she got she got busted for that. But in '93, she was just like the beautiful waifish Gen X icon. Yeah, we knew nothing about her, no. but now we know with with a little bit of uh, hindsight that. She maybe wasn't making great decisions her whole life. <laughs> so you're saying that Dave Perner is one of her poor decisions? I'm not saying it was a poor decision. Dave Perner might be a great guy, but she was a beautiful A-list star in Hollywood. Yeah. She could have been with like Chris O'Donnell, and that would have been like, okay. She could have been with Chris Kattan. Well, you know, Chris Kattan, in his autobiography... That you're reading. Baby, don't hurt me. Uh... Very casually, humble brags that he was dating Jennifer Coolidge, aka Stifler's mom, for a year and a half period. Wow! Yes, humble brag. Absolutely. Also a member of the Groundlings in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And has had a very good career in a lot of Christopher Guest movies. Of course. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so they were fucking. All right, Tony Braxton. Another sad love song. Let's listen to it. It's just kind of hard to like picture Katan be fucking. No, it's not. Maybe because I. No, it's not. Maybe because of Mango. That's how I picture him fucking. Maybe because like the Mango. entire first chapter of his book is about Mr. Peepers, the monkey that ate the apple and sucked everybody's face. Yeah, that's how he fucks. That and like the humping from Night at the Roxbury. Like that's those are his moves. That's right. We got to experience that in real time. He tells a story in the book about Katie Holmes. Wow, that he had explosive chemistry with Katie Holmes <laughs> during an uh, during uh, her guest hosting week, and he had a Mr. Peepers episode. Mm-hmm. And a big part of the Peepers vibe was like you're saying, humping up on people, sucking their neck, sucking their face. And during the live show, after a week where he said they very clear that she was into him and right. he was in love with her, he thought she was just awesome. Uh, she whispered in his ear when he got up near her face. Don't you dare go near my lips. Ooh. And he was kind of like taken aback because he thought they had a lot of like chemistry going on. But it gets salvaged because at the after show, at the after party for SNL, which were legendary, uh, she gave him her number. Ooh, okay. But then he left it at that. And it was probably her being nice. He probably asked for it and she like gave it to him. They never dated, clearly. You're telling the story and all I'm thinking about is how insulting it is to Tony Braxton. <laughs> they are telling Chris Kattan. I mean, if it was Unbreak My Heart, I have a different okay. vibe here. This is a great doctor's office waiting room song. It's nice. I like it. Yeah, me too. She was sexy too. Total babe. Her, for me, my Braxton fandom is the next album that had right. Unbreak My Heart. And also, she had another like like a slinky R&B jam. I'm trying to remember what it was. Where she was wearing in the video like a white dress with like a hole in the midsection. I can picture that. Um, what was that song? 
Hmm. Who was she with? Curtis Martin, That's former right. uh, Jet star and Hall of Famer. Uh, I don't think that she's still with him. But that Wait, was, was she also with David Justice? Who am I thinking I, of? Uh, no, that Halle Berry? Yes, that's right. Halle Berry and David Justice. I think this is the song that I was into. Yes. <laughs> she had some bangers. Yeah. This was your making me high. Yes, and I believe true. if you looked up the video on YouTube, it's a white, I'm going to say it's a white kind of mini skirt with the, a bit like a circle in the middle bearing a midriff. Does that Who sound need, right? That does sound right. Who needs to even look it up after that description? <laughs> you got it. Everybody keep it in your pants after that description. All right, let's move on. You're making me high. All right, here we go. Coming up next, it's a legend. A man who died in the same place where my children were born. How about that for a fun fact? Is that fun? (laughs) It's a fact. Okay, fact. Here is Michael Jackson off the Free Willy soundtrack. Michael Jackson died at the Ronald Reagan Medical Center at UCLA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Very simple. beautiful song you know his 90s stuff and we luckily we get by the way tony braxton was wearing a cat suit like a white cat suit with a zipper okay uh, showing a lot of cleavage that's what it was okay anyway um we did the dangerous album on this show like probably about six to 12 months before the hbo documentary yeah so we were in the clear yeah we're fine i want people to understand that yes and um documentary that i've still Never seen, never will. I, w- I would say... So I'm enjoying the song more than you right now. Yeah, I would say it's hard to pull the old separate the man from the music thing. But, and it's just, even as it comes out of my mouth, I remember that you were attacked by Michael Jackson fans after yeah. the Dangerous podcast. Yeah, no, it was, I just had a tweet at some point that they... Right, uh, why don't they you do that again and see what happens? That'll be fun. Same tweet? <laughs> Same tweet. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's difficult to separate the man from uh, the music. Uh, although those you know, are allegations more than anything that was definitively proven. But it didn't, Bob. If you didn't watch the doc, it doesn't look good for MJ. That's what I hear. Yeah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> but I've gathered that part. I want to just, uh, I just want to rep his '90s output, which was better than people remember. Uh-huh. It's got a lot of good songs in the '90s. It's not at the '80s height, obviously. But even into the mid-90s and some of the soundtrack stuff and the uh, History uh, Greatest Hits album that had Scream on it with his sister mm-hmm. and some other songs. Good stuff. Well, there's this, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but, like, this and Heal the World, like, this sort of, like... I get that. 
this sort of like sing along, make a the too world, much. which I'm okay with. Like it's fine in its spot. Like I'm like I liked the song. At he kind of got swallowed up by the whole I'm a global person. I, thing I mean, how do you not? Music. How do you not? How do you not yeah. know that like everything you put out is going to be heard by the entire world? Like Heal the World did nothing for me. Right. But this song I always really liked. This is a better version of Heal the World. I agree. Yeah. All right, let's listen to it a little bit more. And of course, the perfect song to free Willie to. Did Willie get away? I, I never saw the movie. I mean, do you just avoid all Michael Jackson related pop culture? No, I, I went to Epcot. I was I saw Captain EO, so I'm good. That was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. I mean, I even liked... Um, Rock My World, the single off the 2001 Invincible album, which mm. was his last release. I'm fine with that album. Okay. That song. But still. Hard to separate it. It's not hard when you just pretend it never happened. What was your Michael Jackson tweet, by the way, that got all the MJ fans like on your ass? I don't remember exactly, but it was like pro Michael Jackson, but they still. Oh, found... I don't know about that. No, I, I remember it was something like. Um, Am I supposed to turn off the Jackson five when Michael was an abused kid? I can't remember what it was, but it was basically making the point that like, when is the line of Michael Jackson? I'm not allowed to listen to anymore. Right. Because he was involved with abuse even before he was allegedly abusive. All right. I'll try to find it when you play the next song. We'll see. We'll see what got me canceled by 147 (laughs) MJ fans. Oh, yeah, bitch. The Sliver soundtrack up in this piece. (laughs) It's like, why can't Sharon Stone make Basic Instinct a separate time, this time with a Baldwin brother? Which Baldwin brother was in Sliver, the 1993 Bill, erotic Daniel, thriller? Daniel, 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 Daniel. You're a fucking asshole. Billy, Billy, you are, Billy, Billy. You're a Billy, piece of shit. Billy, Billy. Of course. Billy. William Baldwin, brah. I started saying Billy, but then I second-guessed myself. Never second-guess yourself with a no, Baldwin No, you know why? Because then I started thinking of Steven in my head as I was saying the word Billy, and I saw Steven, so it was a big fuck-up. Which Baldwin brother... Lived in the county where we grew up, and he would pick it outside the porn store. Stephen Baldwin. And Stephen Baldwin's daughter is the one, Haley, that's married to Bieber now, Yes, right? and a few years ago... Oh, can you imagine? A few years ago... The damage he I, did? I worked with Haley Baldwin, and I told her that I grew up in Rockland, because she grew up there. Like She like was there all the time. Right. And uh, we talked about that for a minute. I left out the part about her dad picketing Romantic Depot. I also left out the part about uh, our friend Howie 
who was at the Palisade Center, which was across the street from Romantic Depot, and uh, how he was at the Palisade Center in the Apple Store, and he looked up and he saw Stephen Baldwin coming his way, uh, walking down the aisle wearing a hat that said one word: Baldwin. <laughs> That's pretty good. You so should, I should have told her that. I left out both of those stories. What is it? How do I approach this? What does it say for, like, what do you think Bieber's dealing with when his wife, a beautiful girl? The best looking human I've ever worked with. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Jennifer Garner w- walked Radio Row at one of the Super Bowls, the one in New York about eight years ago, seven years ago. And still, to me, the most striking celebrity I ever saw in person. Mm. Maybe you wouldn't think that, but Jennifer Garner, Unbelievable. But what do you think of Bieber? He's probably cleaning up a lot of fucking wreckage when the wife's dad was picketing adult pornography stores. Well, I like, know what was she, going on over there. She's like a good girl from like what I heard right. from the people that know her. Like doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do anything crazy. I think he now is like sober too, right? Huh. I think so. We're not giving this song enough love because it's a great cover. It is a great cover. And we've talked a lot about the Hit Parade podcast on our podcast. It's really the only other podcast we'll ever give any positive accolades to. Mm-hmm. Um, they had an amazing episode about UB40. I don't care. No, it was really interesting with uh, Red Red Wine. It's probably not that interesting. It was very interesting. Red Red Wine was a Neil Diamond song that never... Did you hear how we carefully dissected... The Michael Jackson dichotomy minutes ago. That's how you fucking podcast. Okay, fine. I found my Michael Jackson tweet, by the way. All right, let's hear it. Here we go. Does hang Kent- on, hang on, hang oh. on. Go you ahead. Gonna, are you going to play the Chris Kattan music underneath? No. Okay. Does canceling Michael Jackson because he abused kids extend to the Jackson 5 when he was an abused kid? How old does MJ have to be for me to turn the radio off? making people think yeah see that's what i was going for that's provocative that's what i'm saying going why am i not on the a-list sorry (laughs) um yeah but what here's the thing but it was the it's a well-worded tweet but but when you try to break it down what are you actually fucking saying what i'm saying is the same people who are saying cancel michael jackson because he's an abuser Mm Are, are choosing not to acknowledge the fact that he was an abused child. Okay. And there's a cycle of abuse at play here with Michael oh, Jackson. Okay. So by canceling him for his actions later in life, what are we saying about him as a child when he was still making music and we know for a fact he was abused by but his But you father. wouldn't not listen to his earlier music because he was an abused victim. Of course not. And that's my question of, are we going to completely bury the fact that whatever sort of things he may or may not have done, may not have done, Dan, but whatever these being accused of is a result of his upbringing. So I'm saying, where's the line? Uh, I, I mean, that is that is something that uh, is fair to ask, Bob. I well, think that... 103 people told me to go fuck myself, so <laughs> maybe not so fair to ask. I don't think people underplay, maybe because it's so... I had this conversation with my wife recently. That especially once you have kids and you get older and get some perspective on life, it is it can be overwhelming when you realize how much you affect your children and how much your parents 
made you. Like the good things about you and the fucked up things about you mm-hmm. were basically programmed into you. Yeah. And you can do things to try to make yourself a better person as an adult, but all that shit's hardwired in and it mm-hmm. almost has nothing to do with you. You're almost, it's kind of just luck of the draw. And Michael Jackson had a fucking asshole father. Yep. A piece of shit that guy was. Yep. Anyway, speaking of the Jacksons, here's Janet. All right. One of my favorite Janets. Yes, me too. There was nobody bigger than Janet Jackson in 1993. Oh, no. She had surpassed Michael as like a pop star, which is just bonkers because in 92 and 91, as we talked about on the Dangerous podcast, he was still kind of at the height of his powers. But then she just went next level. Supernova. She was like Catan when he did Peepers with Tom Hanks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I think that she, level of burning supernova. Yeah. This part, yes. Oh! Ah! So good! So good. So good. We've uh, talked about when you, um, who, what was the moment you, moment you re- reached sexual maturity? And I said, of course, it was Alicia Silverstone, amazing video, hailing the prop plane uh, with her leg on the side of the highway with one of the London brothers. Yep. And then making out with him on a motorcycle with a virtual reality mask of Obviously. That's what it is. But Janet, this entire album cycle yep. is out of control. And as a 13-year-old boy with raging hormones, I could yes. not process the sheer sexuality of Janet Jackson at this era. I thought, I mean, she was so hot with the Rolling Stone cover. That was this album cycle, right? Or was yes, that the next this one? Yes, this is the one. Yeah. So hot. And the, just this video, and that's the way love goes. I love her dance in this. I think it comes with the violin when it comes back. I think it's here. This chorus drops out, and then they bring back up that violin. It's just a really, like, smart, interesting song. Okay, here it comes up with it. She has this dance where she's shuffling down the floor with a bunch of backup dancers. So good. Oh man, Bob, that's that's a definitely a finalist, I would think, for the Throwback Podcast playlist. I think it has to be. You know, when we went to Big Bear together with the families before this uh, horrific pandemic, Dan, 
Uh, we've made, we made a uh, no need to put a qualifier there. You know, it's a pandemic. Well, you know, I considered giving it a chance for a second, but no, it's horrific. <laughs> um, and we we made a uh, playlist together with the wives. I put the song on it. I kind of, <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about that. Did you cause the pandemic by doing something so wild that the universe is like, what? That might have been it. What in the world? What is happening here? <laughs> I gotta fuck things up. We gotta reboot. <laughs> Hard reboot. All right, so um, that is one of the best uh, pop songs of the 90s, in my opinion. And now here is The Very Worst. Wait a second. Oh, how dare you? Oh, no. Oh, yes. I mean, oh, no to you. Oh, yes to this podcast finally peaking. Give it to me, Billy. Piece of shit, the song. So good. It still sounds so good. This is the Joe Jackson of pop songs oh, in so the bad. 90s. I'm not even listening to anything coming out of your stupid face right now. <laughs> this is The River of Dreams by Billy Joel. They all know. They all know it and they all love it. Is this the last Billy Joel album? It is. He just is like, I've been so bad for so long. Nope. 27 years ago, he said, I'm going to go can't out. can't do it anymore. going to go out on top, and that's what he did. You know, we had the uh, Billy Joel Reckoning podcast uh, a year or so ago with Jason Zumwalt. It was supposed to be the Hey Guys, Open Your Minds podcast, but fuck both of you. But what you what you forget about that episode, Bob, is that I came out of it being like, okay, I get it. I get I was turned off by for the same reason many people where we grew up in the tri-state area of the Northeast. Uh, by Bruce Springsteen, that he was just everywhere all the time. And for me, Bruce was never that guy where it was too saturated. I couldn't get into him. Billy Joel just got me because of the elevator music, the dentist music, the Marshalls music. It was always on. But those are more the singles that I hated that were just overplayed. There are a lot of really good Billy Joel songs that I like that are a little under the radar. Clip it. Put that on the poster. There this, are a lot of Billy Joel songs that I like. Dan Hanses. This was this is the unfortunate thing, Bob. This was the last big single he had, and I just think it's just drivel. Well, you're wrong. Just listen with fresh ears. You think this is good? Yes. In the middle of the night, <laughs> he laughed. In my <laughs> he said yes, and then he couldn't keep a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like a middle-aged paunchy Joel standing in a riverbank uh, with a bunch of African-American people. He's trying to get that cred. He's trying to cut across all barriers. He wasn't rapping. I mean, he's not trying to get cred. This is... It was... Joel was reaching for something. Not to gospel music. I don't know. Beautiful song. Maybe if you weren't so mean to Bono all the time, I wouldn't be so mean to Billy Joel. That's fair. 
That's fair. It didn't have to be this way. No. I want you to know that. It's a cold war now. We, we just we just can't ever end this. <laughs> just like two nuclear warheads being fired at one and each other, exploding <laughs> over and over again. No. Operation Bono Freedom. It's never going to end. Billy Joel is the scud missile of popular music in the 20th century. Well, I'm proud of my boy Billy because uh, the list of the top 10 moneymakers in music came out from Forbes. <laughs> Billy Joel. Great. Billy Joel, number nine. 27 years after releasing his last album. This that is, is insane. This is what I don't hate about Billy Joel. I do like, I do give him respect that he knew when to get out. He was probably about 45 when River of Dreams came out. And he's like, I can continue to try to chase pop hits, but I'm just kind of done. I did it. I was a huge star for like 20 straight years. Mm -hmm. I have 100 hits. I don't want to do it anymore. I think he did what, like musical scores or something? No, put out a couple of classical classic, And nobody gave a shit, but that's fine because it was for him anyway. And then he did something, because at the end of the day, he's a New York guy, so I, I like that too. Like he said, now that I'm a billionaire and I have seven houses in the Hamptons, even though I've been divorced 40 times, I still have a billion dollars. I am going to set up a residency. And people have to go to like the Hard Rock Cafe in Vegas or they do one at like a a local like uh, bar or whatever. Yeah. If they're on a much smaller stage, obviously. But his his monthly residency is at Madison Square Garden in New York. And that's pretty cool. And he said like his attitude is like, yeah, I'm just... I'll stop doing it when it stops selling out. Like right. he's just got not like, going to stop selling out. I know. So he's just like, I'll do it once a month. Billy Joel has a huge amount of fans and, uh, I respect that. I just hate nine of his songs. That's fine. And those songs are on all the time. That's true. But tying it back to people. tying it back to Chris Kattan. Oh, I don't know if I have enough time to do this. <laughs> Horatio Sands Billy Joel was really funny. Just thinking back to the Chris Kattan days of SNL. Horatio Sands. I turned off Whoop There It Is by Tag Team for you to get in a Horatio Sands plug. I want to plug (laughs) those skits where Horatio Sands was drunk Billy Joel driving around Long Island were were hilarious. I think Horatio Sands was pretty underrated as a comedic talent. Okay, now play Whoop There It Is. (laughs) Yes. Not the movie where he was like on a cruise ship. Like his one big movie. Oh, Boat Trip? Something like that. Cuba Cuba Gooding Jr. Jr. Cuba. But his SNL work, pretty good. Back again. Check it, direct it, let's begin. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. DC's in the house, jump, jump, rejoices. There's a party over here, a party over there. Wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy. Whoop, there it is. Hitman. This gives me great memories of being 13, 14, 15 years old and sitting in the right field bleachers at old Yankee Stadium. The real bleachers, the ones that were actual bleacher seats and you could get a ticket for eight bucks. The ones that my dad was scared to take me to because you never knew that there would be women flashing, guys fighting. Like It was insane out there. It's, It's not an exaggeration. It's not like people are... Say, so, oh, at old Yankee Stadium, it was crazy out there. The Bronx, it really was. It really like, was. 
I remember being there and the shit that would be said to the center fielder and the right fielder. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, and today would be people would be horrified to hear it, but back then <laughs> it was just a lot of just like uh, homophobic comments at Ken Griffey Jr. for three and a half straight hours. Yeah. Like Bob said, fights in the bleachers because you couldn't even get out of the bleachers. You the bleachers actually had a separate entrance on River Avenue. Mm-hmm. So you could go into the bleachers and you had access to beer and food, but you couldn't go anywhere else in the stadium. So people would just be there and they'd be there for the whole game. And I remember being 13 in one game and a girl took her shirt off yep. and she got like shuttled out of the, out of the, it was just like very normal and fighting all the time. And the, the cursing, they used to be, used to be chants. Uh, there were songs. They had like a whole like, like, Oh, Yankee baseball. Mets suck. Then the right fielder's name. Buner sucks. sucks. Box seats suck. And it would just go on and on. Go around. Again. Yeah. They had this whole system. And you would point at everyone in the box yeah. seats, right? And they'd all just like kind of wave you off. Um, it was great. But anyway, tag like, team, yeah. every time there was this song would be played whenever like Paul O'Neill had a go ahead double in the seventh yeah. inning. And you would see whoop on the scoreboard. Yes. I flow to the flight from the school of old. Hardcore kick the folklore wreck. Three to the two and one might check. Oh, no, the other part was great. It'd be like. Oh, oh, Yankee baseball. It's always Mets suck would be yeah, the second Mets one. Suck. Mets suck. Mariners suck. Buner sucks. Box seats suck. And then if somebody in the bleachers had like yeah. a Mariners hat, this guy sucks. Yeah, you <laughs> suck. And it really point to some guy. All right. Yep. Yeah, the first time I went to a game in the bleachers, I remember there was a girl that the whole game, they were just like, she would stand up and cheer and there'd just be guys yelling, show your tits, like over, <laughs> over and over again. So finally, in like the sixth inning, she does and she, she had fl- to she flashes the crowd and the second she did it a big chant of throw her out throw her out and the security <laughs> came so and threw up. her out it was insane i, was I like, mean the levels are fucked up fucked up that they coerced her to do it essentially and then <laughs> fucked up and they got a run the second that it happened and tag team soundtracked it all this song i think i knew all the words to that song too that was such a popular song that was huge that was huge it became like a stadium anthem that's for sure all right here we go. We're getting there now, Bob. That was number three. That was number three on the charts in September 1993. Uh, and now, I know you know this, Bob, but I'm just going to put you on the spot. SWV. What does that mean to you? Oh, it means a lot to me. I have stuff that I can... Uh, what does it stand we, for? We though? can dig into. I know. Sisters with voices, Dan. I knew you'd do. There's Michael Jackson again. Yep. Human nature sample from Thriller. There we go. Right here. This countdown is lousy with Jackson. You double V. This to me feels like a song, Bob, that was playing at the A-list gatherings that you secretly were not invited to and never knew happened. I was there, and I do have a story. You only know about the ones that you found out about. That is pretty true. (laughs) Another 1993 artifact is the great movie Airborne, the rollerblading movie that you can see somewhere it's playing right now. 
But I think, Bob, while you were clinging to the A-list, I was just hanging out on the C-list, <laughs> and I was like, Popeye. Now, Popeye was a great man. Do you do want you to know why? Because he said, I am what I am. It's true. I was I like, need, I'm here. I needed to hear that. I'm here. Just needed to hear that, Dan. <laughs> So, SWV had like at least three big songs when we were in seventh or eighth. Seventh yes, eighth. they were huge. They were huge. Weak at the Knees was a great song. I get so weak in the knees. Probably to date and for my life, the most uh, questionable thing I ever did uh, in the realm of trying to get a girl, mm-hmm. girlfriend. Um, so, there was a girl in our grade who had a personalized license plate in high school that you remember. You weren't making a play for her. Legitimately top two prettiest girls. I think she was always, and it was really a matter of choice, but I think it was pretty well established that she was in the discussion as the girl. Right. A-lister, obviously. Was um, dating my pre-Dan best friend, a guy named James. Right. And James were like the hot couple in seventh grade. In fact, I think in the seventh grade yearbook for superlatives, they got like best couple. <laughs> what does that weird, even mean? Kind of weird when you're thinking about like 12 year olds. But anyway, like what made them like best couple, like incredible sex life? Like, cutest- like what was going on? <laughs> and what could be happening when you're 12 to make you the best couple? Cutest couple. James was my my bestie. And uh, cool how he really stood up for you in your moment of doubt. No, he was the Yikes. guy. Was, he was the guy I was hanging on to. So, so I'm just uh, saying he could have said at that lunch table with the broken chair, guys, that chair is fine. No, see, we'll get it. That's no, we're not going to get into that right now. He wasn't there. He could have been there to save me, but lunch period was divided into two. So all of my, friends oh, let it go, Bob, move on. You're 40 years old. (laughs) Stop making me relitigate this. So, so we're in seventh grade and I develop a crush on because she's pretty and i'm around her a lot because she's oh yeah quote unquote dating my best friend um so i like her her birthday comes up i get her the swv cd which is like a complete that's like a big like oh wow this is big wait but was she dating james at this time her and james break up for like a day and in that like 24 hour period you ran out of the swv album i asked her out I think I had gotten her the SWV album already. That's kind of a, even as a 12-year-old, that's a bit of a uh, bro code violation. Yeah, totally violated the bro code. Did you talk to James about it before? Definitely not. So, like, if she said, yes, you were going to deal with the the fireball wreckage, but if she (laughs) said no, you figured, well, she probably won't tell anyone, so maybe I can just (laughs) get away with this. I don't think I was even thinking of that. I was just like an idiot 12-year-old that was just like, i got to do it. She said no. Well, obviously. <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> That's above your pay grade, Bob. Yeah, it was way above my pay grade. Uh, but was she nice about it? Yeah. No, wait. Oh, I can't say the real reason. Oh, no. Oh, my God. So many breadcrumbs. Holy shit, it's all coming together. Oh, no. <laughs> I swear to God, this is the truth. Is this memento? I swear to God, this is the truth. And it's Bob solves. just pulled his shirt off and he's looking at all tattoos all over his body. It's and all it all, sense. it finally all makes sense. <laughs> Everything makes sense now. I swear to God, do you know what she said to me? What? No, my parents won't let, wouldn't let me because you're Jewish. Get out of here. One, I swear to God, she said that to me. Whoa. 
Oh my God. Whoa. It all connects. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, wait, hold on. I got to process this now. I haven't thought about this since seventh grade. Whoa, Mariah, react to this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is huge. This Let's is just... huge. I was obviously Wait, I was go. obviously joking about the anti-Semitism earlier in the podcast. That was a bit, but holy shit. Let, let me process this for 30 seconds. Yes, though. please do. My first thought? Yeah. That bar mitzvah came back to bite you in the ass. That's a good thought. My, I remember thinking at the time, and I still, to this day, would think the same thing, that she was going to say no regardless. She could have given any reason. She could have given any reason. Maybe in her, like, pea brain 12-year-old head, like, that was a way of letting you down gently. That was. I think that was it. Because she was nice and she was a friend. You know, it's kind of a... All right. Let's try to piece this together because you could like you could jump to the obvious um, take on it, which is, oh, my God, she was a monster. No. But in 1992. First of all, I'm not condoning her commentary, but it was kind of a big deal. Like even if you watch Goodfellas, right? Right. There's that famous scene with uh, the Lorraine Bracco character and Ray Liotta's character, who was in Flock of Dudes, by the way. Of course. Check it out. Um, Put it on the board. Where she, she, he has to pretend that he's Jewish or half Jewish. Right. And on the first date, he has to hide his crucifix. It was kind of a big deal. And if she was from like a traditional Catholic culture, which she was. Yep. Maybe that was kind of put into her. Yeah. Not no, letting her off the hook. I'm sure there was some, some truth to it. I don't think that. This is 28 years ago. Yes. Wow. So again, she would have said no regardless. That's a fact. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> we're both on the same page with that. Obviously, this was this was just destined to get awkward 12 year old Bob's heartbroken no matter what. But I think that was her letting me down like, oh, like maybe if this wasn't the case, but my parents wouldn't be cool. In this kind of like, in this fucked up world, is it a sign of progress that a 12 year old couldn't do that to another 12 year old now? <laughs> Is it? I think it is. Man. I'm so- Bob, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. You know, I always thought that um, the incident in fourth grade when a uh, kid named Brian threw a penny down the hallway for me to chase after, that was like the only anti-Semitism I faced in Pearl- Pearly White River. But it turns out I've been repressing this for 28 years. There was another incident. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Mariah kind of got the short shrift for the number one song, but when you drop a bombshell like that. Well, here's the thing, though. Should I? Now I'm kind of like I'm kind of like more of like like an atheist than anything now. Do you think I should call her now and see what's up? I would say it's worth it. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, I'm not really Jewish anymore. I mean, I am. But like, you know, I'm also like, whoa, what's out there? Who knows? Let's let's get together. I just like ending the song with that comment. Um, there's two ways you can go. 
you can check in on her now and say, hey, I'm not really religious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to fuck? Try to, try to forget what you saw at that bar mitzvah 27 years ago. That's not me anymore. I'm a different guy. And she's like, but how are you raising your son? And then it's like, uh-oh. Oh, boy. Um, or what you could do is call her and demand an apology in an angry way. Say, I've been holding this <laughs> with me for 28 years. And I'll ruin you if you don't date me. And I will is destroy that, you. Is that what you were thinking? <laughs> you want to blackmail her for her affection with her casually anti-Semitic <laughs> comment as a 12-year-old in 1992. I'm just trying to, th- I'm just playing, you know, just gaming this whole thing out right now. I don't know. I'll, I don't know I'll, if you like if you're looking at it as a chessboard. I don't know. I should, man. I should ask my wife what I should do here. <laughs> I think you had told me that before, but for whatever reason, it I, never really sat with me how insane it is until I know. you just said it now. Same. Wow. I really do see it as a bit of a sign of the times. I guess we have come a long way. Because that stuff was a bigger deal back then. She also wait. I'm remembering more now. She said, I can't. My parents wouldn't let me because you're Jewish. Also, MAGA. And I didn't know what that meant at the time. Wow. And then my uncle came in and said something else. Like, it was a weird time. Yeah. Well, I mean, what were your uncle's thoughts about? I mean, he must have been a conflicted person. Oh, forget it. <laughs> Thank you to everybody. Before we pick our song. What a to- bombshell, Bob. Before we go and uh, put a song. Thank you to Chris Catan for Baby. Don't hurt me. And especially Seth Myers for doing a solid. It's baby, don't hurt me. Um, and thank it's like you to, Seth, did you do the Catan forward? Wait, let me do the Patreon thing. Thank you to everybody. Oh, fuck. <laughs> when, when, I'll do it tomorrow. He's like, no, we have to have it in. We said we'd get it in three weeks ago. Shit. All right, give me 10 minutes. He just fucking scribbles it out. Yep. All right, go ahead. All right. Can That's I? exactly what happened. All right. Thank you to everybody on Patreon.com slash ThrowbackPod for keeping this podcast alive and helping me realize. I just the- emailed it to you. Did you get it? All right, good. Never bring it up ever again. Fucking Catan. He changes his number immediately and his email. It's so inconvenient, but he has to do it. If Chris Catan ever calls this office again, I'm not here. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, ThrowbackPod on Patreon.com. You guys are the reason I realized that I was discriminated against at a very young age. I'm sorry you had to deal with that, Bob. Uh, thank you guys for kicking in $2 a month, $6 a month, $12 a month to to see our little mini pods, which we're doing. Those are a lot of fun. And, um, of course, thank you to our top-tier sponsors, keeping this thing afloat. Courtney and Wyatt. Wyatt, who recently joined the 4040 club another 40 year old man like us all right uh, happy birthday buddy happy birthday wyatt i recently strained both my elbow flexor tendons throwing my kid in a pool so that's so, what happens when you turn 40 and wyatt has i think four kids so you're doomed dude go to the go to the doctor now he's got four kids at 40 yep interesting yeah so take care of yourself wyatt happy birthday happy birthday buddy Thank you to Bruno, the sponsor up there that in Canada. That guy is outrageous. What's outrageous. going on up there in it's that insane. cabin? It's insane. And of course, Kleine over in Australia. Kleine still riding high from our In Excess episode a few weeks ago. I hope so. I hope he enjoyed it. No, we did. That was enough for Australia for the next six years. They're so excited. I mean, maybe we should do an ACDC album at some point. Or Silverchair. Or ACDC. Or probably ACDC. <laughs> 
But thank you, everybody. Patreon.com slash throwbackpod. You guys are the reason we're still doing this. You're the best. All right. All right. Now it's time to add a song to our Spotify playlist, throwback podcast playlist. Hmm. Obviously. It's an Apple Music playlist, but that's cool. Obviously, we're going to put on River of Dreams by Billy Joel. In light of the... This podcast would be over if that ever happened. In light of the traumatic upbringing I had, I feel like it's the least that Dan could do to help me kind of get through this. Listen, don't put that on me. That was her decision. Are you saying you're not putting it on because I'm Jewish? (laughs) Wow. I'd love to add this to the playlist, but you know, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. Anytime I disagree with you now going forward when we're talking about the direction of the show, (laughs) I'm just going to say, well, I would agree with you, but... But you know. All right. Well, let's see if this this makes things better. I think we should put on if by that. Would you say you were atheist or agnostic? Where would you put yourself? I feel like I would think that I, someone asked me, Bob, what's Bob? I would say he's probably ag- agnostic. That's what I'd say. Like he doesn't believe no God exists, but he doesn't really have a take. You're... I don't think so. I think I'm a little more atheist. Sorry, Dan. No, it's fine. You'll 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 be without me in heaven. <laughs> if that's what you believe in. <laughs> this yeah. podcast will end when you're in heaven. Everything ends. But in the meantime, let's put on if by Janet Jackson. Is right? that what you think? Let that's me just what I think. Make sure disagree? there's nothing else here. Yeah. That's wow. Oh, sorry. <laughs> All right, let's do Wait, it. was that because I was curious? You know, a lot of good conversation today, and I want to apologize to UB40 because I don't think they got I thought they got short shrift on I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. Right. I think Dream Lover. Never has a number one song on the countdown been just background music, but uh, when Bob drops a fucking mega bomb like that, <laughs> what can you say? What can you say? I'm sure Mariah will come up again. We've, I feel like every time we do a number one song, it's a Mariah Carey song. Right. So she's going to be okay. She's been on the podcast pretty frequently, but... Yeah, I'm sorry. All sorry right. I did that. Good stuff. Janet, welcome to the Throwback Podcast playlist. You now join your brother who's there. And uh, we got a nice playlist cooking. You know how many songs we're up to now, Bob? A lot. I'll tell you right now. We are up to 115 songs. That's a lot of songs. Eight hours and seven minutes of great music spanning the spectrum of rock hip-hop yes R&B, and you pop. can find it on spotify you could find it on apple music follow us on twitter at throwback pod we tweet out the link to the playlist do follow- you forgive her mm, yes there you go you're forgiven if they'll go out with me. <laughs>